While facing calamity, the psalmist shows a strong reliance upon the Lord. The Lord, he says, is the object of his desire. People are often unreliable, but God is always reliable. And thus we would look at Psalm 62 as a psalm of confidence. The assertive particle that we find translated, depending on your translation, as only or solely occurs six times in this psalm. And so that's why I've called it the only psalm. Uh, My soul waits only upon God. From him comes my salvation. You see, the day of calamity is common to us all. The day of calamity occurs as a a part of God's sovereign uh, rule. Job 2.10 says, But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? Or Ecclesiastes 7, In the day of prosperity, be joyful, and in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Or Isaiah 45, I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. You see, the day of calamity is part of God's sovereign rule, but it is also the result of our sin. Sin came into the world and God judged sin. So whether it be a personal disease that I experience, our experience of the COVID-19 virus, or, or perhaps the direct results of my rebellion against God, all of that is the result of my individual and our collective rebellion against God. The day of calamity for many is a day of disaster. But I would also want you to see that the day of calamity may also be a delight. For the child of God, uh, the one who has genuinely been made right with God by grace through faith in Christ, the day of calamity really becomes a day of delight. I know all the time that we've been walking through the unexpected events of the last couple of months, I've been trying to think through uh, in a biblical fashion exactly what it is that God does through adversity. The Psalms speak of that quite clearly. Psalm 119, I I often quote three verses that are found in uh, really close proximity with each other. Psalm 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Verse 71, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that you in faithfulness have afflicted me. Then verse 75 he speaks of the, the, the purging and the learning process that God uh, creates through the uh, presence of affliction in our life. Peter talks of that in his first chapter when he says, speaks of the trying of our faith being more precious than of gold that perishes in order that it might be found to the praise and honor and glory of Christ. Or uh, I love the stretch of scripture in Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 5, where he speaks of the benefit of being justified by grace through faith, one of which is that we may glory in tribulation, because tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope does not make ashamed, because God's love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so in that sense, though we deal with the presence of affliction, of difficulty, even our coronavirus, Yet that may be a delight for what God will do in and through this difficult time of calamity. In the text of Scripture, 
we, we see that trials and calamities, COVID-19, for example, may be a purging instrument in the hand of God. Calamity, I find, distills the important from the superfluous. It helps us really sort through what really is important. Calamity often reveals our independent spirit, our need of Christ. Calamity portrays the reality of eternity versus the passing pleasures of earthly pursuits. Calamity directs us to the true priorities of life, what what really is important. Calamity forces us to see our mortality. Calamity drives us to sincere, continuing, earnest pursuit of Christ. And in that context is a bit of the psalmist's context. Though we don't know the specifics of his life context, we, we do know that he is dealing with some very difficult events. And he makes some declarations. First, he says, God is our salvation. The psalmist really, as he often does, encourages himself by reflecting on who God is. His whole being, nothing withheld, receives consolation from the conviction that the Lord is sufficient. When I think through some of the things with which we are now dealing, I have to be driven to the same confidence of the psalmist that my whole being would receive consolation from the conviction that God is sufficient for every need of my life. The momentary need of health, of uh, food, of shelter, of clothing, but rather even beyond that of even my eternal provision. God is the source of my salvation. You'll note in the text it says that he exclusively is our rock. That's a, a symbol for God's strength, the security that he provides for us and the safety that he gives us. He only, he says, is our salvation. Uh, The psalmist David here is referring not merely to the entry into life with God, but rather even the process of redemption that reaches all the way to the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing the song quite often at church, My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and gave himself for all my sin at Calvary. So our hope is, truly is the Lord Jesus Christ. He not only is our salvation, it says that he is our defense, that is our protector. Though affected by calamity, we will not be greatly moved. That is, we will not be shaken in resolve. We will not be floored by what we're experiencing. And then he shifts now to a consideration of humanity. Humanity is utterly unreliable. Humanity is very much unlike God, who is very reliable. Think of all of the modern science, and yet it it is utterly incapable before a new coronavirus. Uh, God, God is utterly reliable, and humanity is an unreliable uh, resource. God is the one, he says, thirdly, upon whom we wait. Verses 5 through 7. He, he speaks of the psalmist again encouraging himself and urging himself to reflect on who God is. I think in your living rooms, perhaps, in the daily variety of our life, uh, that's exactly what we need to do, is we need to encourage ourselves by speaking the truth about who God is. 
It says in our text, it says, My soul silently waits for God alone. Here is uh, the, the key focus of waiting upon God alone. God is the one on whom we wait. We wait in silence. We stay in one place and we anticipate hearing from him. We, we expect from him. We do that without any murmur of soul or nagging of speech. And we wait for God alone. He says, my expectation is from him. Our hope is from him. And what is our expectation? What do we know that God is? And you'll find again, the psalmist notes it in the text. He is only our rock. He, he only is our salvation. He is our defense. will not be swayed at all. God is our salvation and our glory. God is the rock of our strength. God is our refuge. God truly is, upon, is the one upon whom we, we wait. Humanity and all its resources is unreliable. And the psalmist returns back to that in verses 9 through 10. All of his resources, unreliable, amounting to nothing more than a wisp of wind. And then the psalmist returns uh, to his main theme. God is power and mercy. He says, also unto you, O Lord, belongs mercy. Or literally, also unto you is mercy. Power, he says, belongs to God. So the essence of what we need to hear, not once, but twice, is this. Power and authority, might, belongs truly to God. Any power, any might, any ability that I possess is derivative and limited. Not so with God because He is power. Further, He is mercy. If you have a text of Scripture that italicizes, supplies uh, supplied words the word belong in the text and it could be even noted also he is mercy god speaks of himself as being loving kindness he is addressing the incredible momentary and eternal need of sinners when i look at my life when, when i look at the life of our church family when i look at the needs of our community the problem with uh, my life or our church today is not that too many people see only uh, God in Christ as their security, as their joy, as their provision. Uh, the problem is not that God's children are passionately loving Christ and trusting Him only. Rather, we have wrong trusts. We have idolatrous trusts. And when those fail, fear begins panic arises in our hearts and worry consumes us the problem in our life today is not that we are trusting god alone living responsibly while yet trusting god the problem is not that we're spending too much time in fellowship with god spending time reading his word uh, singing about the pleasure we have in god that that's not the problem uh, the people of god are not so full of love for God and trust of God that we spend uh, too much time with God. Uh, one said it this way, it is not heavenly mindedness that hinders love for the lost and the hurting of this world. It is worldly mindedness that hinders love, even when it is disguised by religious routine and duty. So I ask the question, 
where is the person whose heart is uh, is trusting God alone in the midst of all of our COVID-19 experience, that we yet abide in peace and security and safety, able to live in our neighborhoods with joy, even in the midst of difficulty and consuming uh, desires for health and safety? Where is the person who sees God as their only security, their joy, their safety, their provision, their object of rejoicing, so much that we could say, my expectation is only from God. My soul waits silently for God alone. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. We shall not be moved. So God sovereignly introduces calamity upon the just and the unjust. He does that upon the unjust to to lead them to their understanding of need beyond themselves. I, I pray for my own opportunities in ministry, but also that of our church, that with all of this occurring within our society, that we would be witnesses to people who are lost and that we would help them see there is something far beyond them, far outside of them that they need to seek, and that through the Lord Jesus Christ. He he introduces calamity upon the just uh, to lead the just to their need of trusting God fully and finding joy in Christ alone. So we really do ask the question, uh, what are we to do? We skipped over a couple of verses in the text. They're really a, a central focus and response where he says, Trust in him at all, uh, at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. And why do that? Because God is a refuge for us. So we turn to God for momentary and eternal assistance and security. My soul waits silently for God. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. We shall not be moved. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. And so, Father, today we, we pray that you would guide and our, our focus as we bring our hearts and minds to the glory of Christ, of all He means to us, of all that He is, and how, how greatly we need to be reminded that, that you alone are to be trusted, that you bring even the difficulties of our life uh, in order that we might be driven to sincere, growing, uh, uh, consistent, exclusive reliance upon the work of Christ. And then to meet our momentary needs, be that health, be it, uh, be it uh, security, be it safety. We're so grateful today for all that you are for us today. And wanting glory to be Christ's, we together pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.